Welcome to the Wikipedia Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Sam. And as you can see today, I am all by my lonesome. Neither Pastor Micah nor Kyle were able to join me today, but that's okay. We still have a fun show ahead of us. We're going to be going and looking at a, a really answering a question that I get quite a bit, and that is, how do you know that social justice is, you know, really, really bad? How do you know uh, that it's actually an error. Now, we're not going to go and, and go over every little thing about social justice. I'm going to take us through just a really, really simple principle uh, to go through to really understand where if somebody is really a genuine Christian or they're not a genuine Christian, and this, of course, goes into uh, different ideology, different uh, theologies, whether or not they're actually uh, representative of Christianity or not. But first... I want you to go over to enemieswithinthechurch.com. Once again, it's enemieswithinthechurch.com. And when you go there, you can go all the way over to the right side of it on the, the tab up top, and you can find Wikipedia, and you can find all kinds of articles and all of our stuff there, and you can go ahead and follow us there. And I would encourage you to do that if you haven't signed up for their email list uh, at enemieswithinthechurch.com. Uh, you need to go in to do that because it is just extremely important that we stay in contact with you with all of the silencing that happens on social media, all the shadow banning, all of the just straight up banning, and all that kind of stuff. That's the best place for you to stay in contact with us, and we want to stay in contact with you. So go ahead and visit us at enemieswithinthechurch.com. And of course, while you're there, you might as well hit that red button that says donate to support the ministry. It supports the show. We're on 26 uh, at least radio stations across the United States. We have the podcast. We've got all kinds of other ministries that are coming out of this as well. So we really appreciate your support. But like I said today, we're going to be answering that question of how do you really know that social justice is really bad? that it is not just maybe a little bit of an error or a disagreement or, or, or something that we could just, uh, you know, chalk up to, um, oh, conscience or something like that. Uh, but it is actually something that is against the faith, that it's not orthodox. Well, we first of all want to go to the idea of what Jesus said. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, uh, by their fruits, you will know them. By their fruits, you'll know them. Now, this is an important concept for us to understand. You see, it's not by their doctrinal statement alone. And this is important here. I'm going to explain this in just a little bit. It's also by their actions. See, one of the biggest problems that we see is that a lot of times there's merely uh, a, a really lip service that people give uh, to orthodoxy, specifically within the writing of what they say they believe. But then when you go and you look at the orthopraxy or how that doctrine would play out, specifically how they say it should play out, when you're looking at, when you're looking at this as an individual, you go and you look at their orthopraxy as to what they're doing. When you're looking at an ideology, you go and you look and see how they say it should play out. And that's really a lot of times where you find a, a big problem. So this is uh, th this is where we, we see a lot of the issue because a lot of the social justice that came from groups like uh, that, that came within evangelicalism at large, it came from groups like uh, the Gospel Coalition, um, Together for the Gospel, things like that. Now, these are more Calvinist organizations, and I'm not a Calvinist, but 
they are organizations that we need to go in, into. Even though I disagree with them on that, I do believe that Calvinism is in general orthodox. There, there are some, of course, that aren't, and there are some that non-Calvinists that aren't orthodox as well. But I would believe that that's normally an orthodox uh, belief within the realm of Christianity. We're going to have lots of Calvinists who they didn't know that they actually exercised their free moral agency and believed in Jesus Christ, and they thought that God made them do it or something like that. Uh, but they're actually going to be in heaven. They're going to be in heaven. It's 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 great. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not trying to make this about Calvinism uh, versus Arminianism or anything like that. That's not the purpose of this podcast. But but I'm just trying to tell you here that just because there is disagreements doesn't mean that it's not within the realm of orthodoxy. Doesn't mean that they're not actually Christians. But here's the problem: a lot of this gospel, co- or excuse me, a lot of this social justice came up through things like the Gospel Coalition. So how do we know that social justice is wrong if they have a, in general, orthodox statement of belief? How, how do you know? I mean, are, isn't this just, uh, Pastor Sam, just a, isn't this just, you know, you going and saying that you disagree with somebody and, um, I mean, maybe you're even right, but is it really that big of a deal? I mean, I've heard these kinds of questions hundreds, if not thousands of times, but we need to go back to what Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. It's, it's really their actions, what they're producing, or what they're trying to produce in the sense of an ideology um, or a, a doctrine. Really, it's, an, it's a political ideology that's melded with theology, and it's, it's a jumbled, garbled mess, social justice. But when you, you really go and you break it down, it, you realize that it's not just the orthodox part of it, not just this, the statement of saying, you know, I believe in the Trinity. Hey, I just signed off on the Nicene Creed. Uh, you know, look at that. Hey, I'm orthodox. It's also this concept of really going and looking and seeing what they want to do with that orthodoxy what they're planning on doing with that orthodoxy, what they're planning on their actions, what they believe that their their beliefs show what their actions are. Or, as I've preached it several times, your actions will prove what part of your doctrinal statement you actually believe. And your actions ultimately will define your doctrinal statement as to what you truly believe. And that's what happens with social justice. See, they really would affirm with their mouth core tenets of Christianity, but when you go and you see the actions, their ideology, what they're actually promoting, you realize that they don't actually hold to core tenets of Christianity, like simple, basic things. Like, let's go with forgiveness, for one. And this is really an important thing. I mean, Christianity starts with forgiveness. Christ forgives our sins. God forgives our sins based upon the sacrifice of Christ, right? That's atonement. Okay, that's that's what we're talking about here. Christ paid the price for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And then because of that, because we have received forgiveness as Christians, we then in turn go and forgive others as we've been forgiven. We go and we in turn go and forgive others. I mean, this is the first thing that a Christian learns. You can't really learn anything as a Christian before this because we experience forgiveness and then we go and we're like, hey, yeah, somebody uh, offended me. 
somebody did something wrong to me, oh, I should just get mad and bitter about it. No, you, you know, if you start to go down the mad and bitter route, hopefully you've got a, a, an experienced Christian who comes alongside of you, who's discipling you and says, wait a minute, don't you remember what Jesus did for you? You need to go and forgive that person. And you go, oh yeah, wow, I forgot. I've been forgiven of so much. I can go and forgive others because no matter what they've done to me, it's nothing compared to what I've done to God. That's Orthodox Christianity. Now, as an example of how social justice goes and rejects this, uh, let me tell you a story about a time that I went to a Black Lives Matter rally. And um, I, I went out there. It was, was in the small town that I was pastoring, uh, a church there, town of Hudson, 3,000 people, right? Maybe not even 3,000 people. I, it, it's not very many people. And yet we, and I think it's like 97% white or 99.7% white, something like that, high 90s percent percentage of white. I mean, there, it's, it's not a very diverse town, not because it's not trying to be diverse or anything like that. I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with, with diversity, but it's just, it, it, it just, it, the demographics are what the demographics are. And yet we're having this Black Lives Matter march through the town. I mean, it's, it's goofy and ridiculous is what it is. But, but I went out there for one because there were a lot of downtown uh, businesses, not a lot, but a few downtown businesses that were threatened uh, with violence. This was in the midst of the, the, the George Floyd riots that were going across the nation and everything like that. Um, and we, we wanted to see, and I didn't want people to tear apart our town, so I went out there just to, to kind of watch to see what was going to happen. And in, in doing this at the end of it, after the, the protest happened, and, and it was... Um, peaceful. I'll, I'll say that there. I mean, there were random things that were shot, you know, hands up, don't shoot, hands up, don't shoot, you know, stuff like that. I mean, um, I can't breathe. I can't, you know, really dumb things for people to go around, uh, a bunch of white college students to go around marching around, frankly, our, uh, the, the, the town doing that. I mean, it was really dumb, but, uh, there was a, a, a woke pastor, and he was wearing a clergy collar, or, uh, or no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 he was wearing a clergy collar, but over that clergy collar, he was wearing a t-shirt, and the t-shirt said, uh, justice is a Jesus issue. And so I just decided I would start a conversation with the man, and so I, I went up to him, and I said, I, I just got to ask you about your shirt. He said, yeah, he says, you know, you, you say justice is a Jesus issue, and I said, you know, I tend to agree with that. I'm somebody who even in uh, apologetics, I like to find ground that I can agree upon before I go and really decimate what they have to say. Um, and as I'm, I'm talking to him, he goes, oh, really? And I said, yeah, but I, I just want to know, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by justice as a Jesus issue? And so he starts explaining it and starts explaining uh, the income inequality and uh, all this other stuff, you know, and and uh, really one of the big things that he pointed out was uh, voter, um, not voter fraud, I about said voter fraud, but no, that's this is on the other side of the issue, uh, voter uh, suppression and how, you know, some people just aren't allowed to vote and things like that. And so we started going through this whole discussion, talking to him, and I started asking him, you know, well, so describe justice for me. You know, what do you mean by justice? He says, well, earthly justice should reflect heavenly justice. And so I said, oh, well, I, I agree with that, but, but what do you mean by that? What, what happened, you know, what happened with, uh, with, with 
heavenly justice, you know, what with eternal justice is what he's talking about. And he goes and he starts explaining to me how justice is actually all about forgiveness and how uh, we're just all forgiven. Because this guy ultimately is like a universalist. There's no doubt about this. I mean, he's not even kind of orthodox or anything like that. It's, you know, goofiness. Uh, just the hyper grace and all this kind of stuff. He wouldn't be willing to say that somebody's going to go to hell or anything like that. And so he tells me that it's, you know, that eternal justice is all about forgiveness. And so I I bring it back to then earthly justice. Um, I start talking to him and I say, so, I mean, you you know, you said that earthly justice should reflect heavenly justice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And he starts going on and on about this. And I said, I just want to make sure that I understand your position. You're saying that there's been a certain group of people who they've been oppressed. They've been offended. Oh yeah. uh Uh-huh. And I said, okay, okay. And you're saying that there needs to be justice because of this. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. And he's getting excited. He thinks I get it. You know, I'm on his side. I'm a social justice warrior now. He thinks he's got me convinced. And I point out, I said, but you said it should, Earthly justice should reflect heavenly justice, and heavenly justice was all about forgiveness. So wouldn't that mean that those who have been offended should forgive those who offended them? And that would be social justice according to how you're defining it? He stops, looks back, and he asks me the pointed question, Who are you? Then once I told him that I was a pastor in town, he told me, we're done with this conversation. Why? Because it's not actually about forgiveness. He would go and ascribe and and even take forgiveness further than I would. I don't believe that justice is forgiveness. I don't believe that eternal justice is forgiveness because let's, let's, let me put it this way here. I'm not, not a universalist, which is what he was presenting it as. Yes, there is forgiveness, but this forgiveness comes upon conditions of accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And of course, these conditions also included the fact that Jesus Christ would die on the cross for your sins and for my sins and for the sins of the whole world, as it tells us that he did in 1 John 2.2. But then it also comes down to the fact of accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Not everybody's going to be saved. But he would ascribe to an orthodox position on forgiveness, maybe not quite orthodox, he might go, he might go universalist uh, on us, but, but in the sense that he would say, at least for the, in the life of the Christian, that we should be forgiving towards one another, tender-hearted, loving, forgiving one another as Christ forgave us. But then when you push him on it, and you're like, well, so why don't they just forgive them? Why, not, why aren't you out here promoting forgiveness? Why are you out here saying that we need retribution, we need justice, we, 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 need, we need this when you're saying that actually justice is forgiveness and so you're not encouraging the offended party to actually go and forgive because the uh, uh, offensive party can't go and make that forgiveness happen. It has to be by the offended party. He didn't want to have that conversation. Why? Because he doesn't actually stand for forgiveness. Even though he would wildly say it, he probably uses the word forgiveness more than I do in my sermons. He probably uses them more in his sermons. But the reality of it is, is that he doesn't have the orthoprax. He doesn't have the orthopraxy. There's no actions 
When you go and you look at that, there's a disconnect. There isn't a real belief in an orthodox doctrinal statement. The second one that we can go and see that's very similar to this is the concept of sacrifice. The concept of sacrifice. And I'll remind you, Christianity is, is really basically built upon the concept of sacrifice. See, Jesus Christ sacrificed himself for us. It tells us in Hebrews 9, 22, that according to the law, almost all things are purified by the blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or forgiveness of sins. We needed a sacrifice to pay the price for our sins, and Jesus Christ was the once-for-all sacrifice for us. He paid the price that we could not pay. He did the work upon the cross that we could not do. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God through him. He sacrificed for us. And then if we do is what it says in Romans 10, 9, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, then thou shalt be saved. It's this idea of 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 turning towards Jesus Christ, which of course means we have to turn away from our sin. But we see here something that is just interesting because really our salvation is based upon Christ sacrificing for us. The Apostle Paul in Romans 12, verse 1, tells us something interesting. He says, I beseech you, therefore, and brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. What is the Apostle Paul saying concerning sacrifice? He's saying it's reasonable because of what Christ has done for us, for you in turn to become a living sacrifice for him. Because Jesus died on the cross and took the penalty for my sin upon himself. It's reasonable. It's more than expected. It's, it's, just, it's, the, it's the reasonable thing to do. To say, I would give up anything for Jesus. I would go and live my life for Jesus. That's just, that's just the natural response of the Christian towards saying, Christ did this for me. I ought to go and to do this for him. And, and I'm going to get off on a little bit of a side tangent, but if you hear me preach, you'd hear me say something like this. You, you know, uh, I, I know you thought that football game was so important and it was so great uh, and, and so important that you missed church for it. It's not like Jesus died for you or anything. Oh, wait, he did. And he didn't just die for you physically, in the sense he did die physically, but but he died for you so that you might live spiritually, so that you don't have to go to hell forever. Yeah, maybe it's worth missing the football game to go and to connect with his body at church. <gasps> Let me tell you, that gets a lot of people mad. Some of you just turned off your podcast because you're like, hey, I'm not going to listen to that. I, I got my idol of football. But you see here, it's it's reasonable it's reasonable for you to shut off your football game and go to church. And, and I love sports, okay? Like uh, people always think, oh, you're just one of those sports-hating pastors. No, I love sports. I could, I could probably go and enlist like, I don't know, uh, probably every starting lineup at the beginning of the year and the end of the year for Iowa State basketball 
uh, since like 2000, going back to like 2003, and I could probably do it without thinking that much on it. Like, I mean, I, I really love sports, but I love Jesus more. Why? Because as much as I naturally love sports, sports didn't die for me so that I don't have to burn in hell. Jesus did. And now, where doesn't social justice get that? She might be going like, well, Pastor Sam, come on now. Come on. That's great and all, good sermon, but so what? What does this have to do with social justice? I'm listening to the Wikipedia podcast because I want to know more about the woke. Well, it's pretty simple. The woke don't believe in sacrificing. Well, they do just not from themselves, for Christ, they believe that their neighbor should sacrifice. That's, I mean, that's their belief. They go out and they say, look, we see that all these people were oppressed. We need to go and get our, our free college. We need to go and do this or do that. I mean, their whole economic policy, their whole economic viewpoint, the woke, is based on what? Let's steal from our neighbor. Let's make our neighbor sacrifice. Let's take the money from our neighbor. What? And how do we know this? Because they don't promote Christian charity. They promote government interference. That's what they promote. If social justice were just simply going and promoting Christian charity, they would go and they would say, look, we're just preaching what everybody's been preaching. There's no, there's no difference. Because everybody, like, I, I mean, sure, there are some people, of course, who don't preach Christian charity and they're wrong with this, but, but it's the idea that they don't believe that, that, that your giving is enough. They believe that you should be forcibly made to have your money stripped from you so that the government can redistribute it somewhere. Now, they're not going to put it in those kind of terms, of course, but that's ultimately their economic policy. That's not a sacrifice. That's not going and giving up to somebody else. That's saying I want my neighbor to sacrifice because I don't want to. That's not saying, well, hey, it'd be reasonable for me to give up something for someone else because Jesus gave up for me. You can even see this in their policy when it comes to the idea of illegal immigration, also known as invasion. Their, their big thing is, is that, hey, we want to come in and, and, and do the whole refugee thing and everything like that. And they don't, and then they go and they say, like, this is the Great Commission. You know, we need to bring people into our nations so that they can hear about Jesus, even though statistics show that most people don't share their testimonies. So it's not true. They don't really intend to share Jesus Christ with them. They're just going and using this as a really a political viewpoint that they're just pawns in the game of, and they don't understand what's really happening, that this is really the, the purpose is to go and to change a culture. I remember the first time I ever got called a bigot was addressing this issue. And I said, look, I, I mean, if you've got a compassion for these people, that's, that's wonderful. If God put that in your heart, I believe he could have put that in your heart. But, but we need to understand God's purpose. God's purpose isn't for, for, for them to, to, to necessarily come here and in an illegal manner and in all this kind of a way. And, uh, and, and for us just to go into, to, you know, to lay aside the rules and everything like that. 
it would be, if God were calling you, it'd be for you to go to them. That's the Great Commission. Go therefore, not sit on your rear and let people come. It's go therefore. Preach the gospel. And I said, so, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm okay if God's giving you a great passion for this. If he's giving you a compassion for these people, that's great. It takes all kinds. But, but, but don't go and try to force your passion and your compassion on other people uh, in, in, in this way of going and saying, like, you need to have this because God, God might have given me a passion or compassion for somebody else. You need to go and to share the gospel to them by going. And you know what the response was? Was, you're a bigot. Why? Because I was saying, look, put your money where your mouth is. Put your, your actions where your, your doctrinal statement is. Go and sacrifice. Let's see the fruit. That's what I was saying. And they didn't have none. And they knew it. So the response was, you're a bigot. I'm not a bigot. I love these people. If God called me to go, I would go in a heartbeat. He's called me to other places to do other ministries, and he's given me a passion and a compassion for other people. What does social justice miss? Well, they don't really have the right belief. And even though they might have some orthodox statements, we can see it in their actions that they don't actually believe that. That's how we know that social justice, we're not, I'm not talking about the error, but uh, like it, we can go over lots of different errors within social justice. But this is how we know that they aren't good, that it really is a big deal, that it's not just a matter of, uh, of, of disagreement, of, uh, of one of those things that I disagree with, but, the, but this is true Christianity. This is how we know. Their actions don't actually line up with orthodox doctrinal statements. And when you push them on it, when you press them on it, what's going to, what happens? You get called a bigot. What happens? You have people say, we're done with this conversation. Why? Because they're not actually Christians. And when you point out that, hey, you're just playing a game, you're just playing a role and you're being used as a political pawn, or you're really just pushing a political agenda that's anti-God. They don't like it. They get mad at you. Well, thanks for listening today. And if you like what you hear, go ahead and send us an email over at contactwokipedia at gmail.com. Once again, that's contactwokipedia at gmail.com and let us know. And if you didn't like it, you can go ahead and send us an email too. We don't mind hate mail. Some of that's fun to read sometimes. Uh, we probably won't get back to you. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we will. Depends. I'm talking about if you send hate mail. If you send, you know, good mail, we'll, we'll get back to you. Hate mail, eh, sometimes we respond, sometimes we don't. It just depends on how busy we are. But anyway, that email address is contactwokipedia at gmail.com. Thank you for listening today. Keep standing for the truth and don't go woke.